It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Howard Beck. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Happy Friday, Howard. How are you? Hey, guys. Doing well. How are you? Hey, we're doing great. Um, this has been a really interesting week for the Jazz, where uh, they lose to Dallas on Monday. Tough overtime loss to Phoenix on Wednesday. And then, Howard, bounce back. I thought it was an improbable victory over Portland, and they beat them by 19 when they're playing didn't touch down until 3 o'clock in the morning. What does it say, I guess, about a team when they can have a bounce-back win like that? No, it's a great sign, um, especially, you know, we are kind of in the dog days. It's, it's kind of hard to tell, by the way. Like, you know, when, when are the dog days? All this, you know, the schedule's thrown off. The entire space-time continuum is thrown off. But this feels kind of like the dog days. Like, we are, we are several weeks removed from All-Star, but we are still way away from the start of playoffs. There's a lot of games yet to play. And so this is, you know – a time for, for the, you know, teams might, you know, your interest, your focus might flag a little bit. And, you know, the back-to-back losses to Dallas and Phoenix, I, you know, I'm sure they were more alarming to, to, to Jazz fans than they might be to someone like me from a distance. But, you know, those are good teams. Those are road games. Those are, those are not terrible losses by any stretch. But you want to kind of steady yourself as quickly as possible. And Portland's a very good team with a lot of firepower and, you know, holding them to, you know, 103 and, and, and you know, winning them, pretty, you know, beating them pretty soundly, um, I think is, is a good sign. And the other thing I, I noticed, I just, I pulled up the schedule right before, you know, you guys called, like, they're actually going into a really nice, friendly stretch of the schedule here. Like, we've known all along by the, by the analytics that the Jazz had one of the easier schedules for the second half, but boy, it, it's really taking shape right ahead here. I mean, Kings, Wizards, Thunder, and then, you know, the Pacers are a good team, but they're not a powerhouse, you know, like a lot of the teams in the East are have around 500. And then back-to-back games against the Lakers, who presumably still won't have their stars. And then the Rockets, who are, you know, obviously one of the worst in the league right now. And Minnesota is one of the worst in the league. They got them twice in a row, and then Sacramento again. So um, they've got a chance here, you know, after that, that brush with OMG, or the, the Sun's going to catch them. They've got a chance to really put some distance between themselves and the pack, right, in, in the next, whatever it is, two weeks. Howard, I want to get your opinion on something, and forgive me if I ramble on here a bit, but I want to set it up. We talked about the Jazz and their losses against the Mavs and the Suns. They did not shoot the ball well from three. That's something that they've done really well all season long. They uh, they were like 11 of 44 or something along those lines in both those games, like 12 and 44, something like that. And we thought... Is there a vulnerability with this team because of their reliance on that when they face a tough opponent or in a playoff setting, that sort of thing? And then last night we saw them against the, the, the Trailblazers, and they did again. They struggled from distance, and yet they worked hard. They rebounded. They did all these other things that were necessary for them to win. So I went back and I, I did some research on this. And I don't know if you've ever done that or not, but I saw some data on the on uh, on how reliable three point shooting is, and I saw a study that someone did that that showed over the last about ten years or so in the NBA in the playoffs that the shooting percentages from three were down a little bit from the regular season, but no more so than the two point shooting was, and, and so that really made me wonder that in a pressure situation. 
maybe three-point shots really aren't a vulnerability, no more so than anything else at the offensive end. I wanted to get your thought on that. My understanding of that is, is, is kind of what you just alluded to, which is that um, three-point shooting is, is not necessarily something you – like you can you can try to defend against it by scheming to you know you, we're going to stay with shooters we're going to do x y z, but that um, three point defense is not something that really exists as a consistent um, matter. That the analytics guys will tell you that 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 it, it's 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 more about um, you know the quality of the shooters who are taking those three point shots, and uh, and sometimes the quality of of the shot. Uh, the timing of the shot. There's a lot of other things that go into it, other than whether or not it's it's well defended. But um, the, the what the Jazz have going for them is that they have a bunch of really good three point shooters. Period. Individually, it's not just collectively. Well, they take a lot of threes. Some teams that are vulnerable as three point shooting teams, it's because they you know maybe they're they're uh, they got a bunch of guys who are you know 36, 37 percent shooters. The Jazz have like guys who are like 38 and 40 percent shooters from three. And they've got multiple, multiple guys who can shoot it well. So it's not just about one or two guys carrying them. It's not about small margins for error. Like they, I, I, like I don't worry about them there. And also, they do have you know a great you know penetrating guard in Donovan Mitchell, and a couple other guys who can who can create some space too. So it's not solely just you know drive kick get the best three you can get. You know they've got a little bit more diversity to their game. So I'm not, I, I wouldn't worry about that too much with them, but yeah, you'd always love to have the kind of outlet that say, you know, the Lakers have with an Anthony Davis, um, you know, or that, you know, the Nuggets have with Jokic or um, it's, it's, you know, but you you can make up for it other ways. You can, you can, you can make up for it with, with, you know, slashing guards and other ways of, of getting, you know, high percentage shots. So I, I don't, I don't worry about the jazz in particular. Jake's response to that was also that uh, with Rudy Gobert being utilized more and more often with these passes that the Jazz seem to be very aware of, they're getting him the ball, and he's dunking on people's heads. And so maybe maybe that's a little bit of an anecdote as well. But uh, I also I saw that in certain cases, you could look back. Remember, Howard, when Houston uh, lost to the Warriors and they, they went cold from three. I mean, so there are examples where teams do kind of crumble a little bit, but there are also examples where teams don't. And so I guess it all sort of averages out to being fairly efficient. Yeah. And as I say, you know, if, if you've got a bunch of guys who can shoot it, you know, I like the one thing, the, the vulnerability would be, would be this, I think that, you still have to create open shots. Like most of those guys are not creating their, their own space to shoot those threes. So you still need a, you need a functioning offense where everybody's in sync with each other, and and are and are getting to their spots and are getting um, good open shots. So it still it still comes back to something we've discussed before, which is I think that uh, the concern I would have for the Jazz is what happens in the playoffs if and when. A, an opponent devises its entire defense to try to just flummox Donovan Mitchell, because if you're if you're angling everything toward him and you're keeping him from penetrating much and you're holding him at bay, um, and it, it may stifle the rhythm for the rest of the offense, and maybe it leads to, to fewer open shots for everybody else. That that's the general concern I would have for them. 
Give us your take on the Dallas Mavericks as uh, they currently stand, Howard. We saw the Jazz struggle with them on Monday, but then they turn around and lose to Houston, I believe, and then beat Milwaukee. Uh, how seriously should we be taking the Mavs? Uh, you know, I didn't think that the Mavericks were ready to take that big next step anyway. You know, they had a, a, a breakthrough season last year, and – you know, despite some injuries and despite what I thought was not, you know, not the strongest supporting cast. Um, and so I think expectations got raised a little too high. You know, Luca can't just make keep making quantum leaps forward. And maybe he can, but um, they, they just need more talent around him. That's the bottom line. There's just not a ton there. They've got good players. And Rick Carlisle gets the best out of his guys year in, year out. But you never looked at that roster and thought, oh, wow, this, this team's stacked. Um, they don't have that great a depth. They don't, and you know, and Porzingis, like he's had a couple of really strong games in the last couple of nights, uh, but I, you don't see that every night from him. You know, it, it, it kind of waxes and wanes, and he's had some injury issues, and so um, they're they're a good team. They're and they're a team that because of Luca, you never know. Maybe they could pull off a first round upset, but they're still a, a player away, I think, from being you know truly in the mix at the top of the West. Man, when I when I look at that Western Conference, Howard, I I can't recall a time when I thought maybe the top five teams in that conference could 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 win the conference. And when I look at it now, you have the Jazz with the best record in basketball. The Suns have been tough. The Clippers are there, whether you believe in them or not. The Nuggets are coming on. And then the Lakers, once they get healthy, that's five teams right now that I wouldn't be shocked if any of those teams were in at least the conference finals. I agree, and I actually wouldn't be shocked if any of those five won it. And and like I, if I were ranking them, right? Obviously, you know the Lakers are the ones you have the highest expectation for because of the defending champs. They've got LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, you know, however you want to order it after that, uh, the team that would be most surprising of those five would be Phoenix, but only because of how far they've come in such a short period of time, based on their play, the results, the talent level. Um, what looks like, I think, really good chemistry, just and, and their, their overall versatility. Like, I think the Suns are, are absolutely legit. So I would not be surprised in the abstract if they somehow won the conference. The only thing that would be surprising is, as I say, like this is a team that hasn't even been in the playoffs in 10 years. And so it's, you know, you don't expect any team to go from lottery to Western Conference champion in one year. Um, but they're their play, their consistency would suggest that we should not be surprised any more so by them than, than the others you mentioned. And I agree. Uh, any of those five could win it. They're all legit and would not take some great fluke. It's, it's, they all have the talent to do it. Howard, Sacramento will be here on Saturday, and I know we don't ask you very many Kings questions, and I guess maybe that's the point. Is, is this franchise ever going to get off the mat? It's funny because there are uh, three teams with very long uh, playoff droughts right now. Um, Sacramento's, which I think goes back to 2006, the Suns 2010, and the Knicks 2013, I think. Um, The Suns are clearly going to end their drought, and the Knicks might. We'll see. They've been slipping a little bit lately. The Kings, it would seem, are not going to end their drought um, this season. But they've got another new front office, uh, Monty McNair, is, is the GM, and he was, you know, one of Daryl Morey's top guys in Houston for a long time. 
Uh, Wes Wilcox, who's a, a veteran of, of front offices in Atlanta and Cleveland, is uh, you know one of the guys that Monty brought in with him. Those are smart guys, and they haven't made dramatic moves yet. But you know, it often takes some time when you get in and a team is capped out, and you're trying to sort through and evaluate guys up close. So I think give them some time. Look, De'Aaron Fox is really talented. Buddy Hill, we know, is a great shooter. And the Kings made a heck of a pick in Tyrese Halliburton, who is going to end up on a lot of Rookie of the Year ballots. Not at the top spot, but he's going to end up with a lot of second and third place votes. And so they've got some promising young pieces. They just have to kind of sort out, figure out what the right building uh, you know, plan is around those guys. So um, I hate to say we should give them some time. The Kings have had a lot of time, but they've gone through a lot of different uh, front offices and coaches, and it's, you know, this new front office needs some time. I asked you about the Western Conference, uh, Howard. What about the East? How many of those teams could end up winning that conference in the playoffs? Uh, I imagine maybe the the Nets and the Sixers and the Bucks. It doesn't go any further than that, does it? It really looks like it's a, you know, one one three-team tier and then a drop-off to just like this sea of mediocrity. You know, the Hornets are fourth place at two games over 500. And then, you know, by the time you get to the Knicks at eighth place, they're only two games under 500. So, like, it's a really just a swath of teams that are all hovering around 500 and then a couple other teams that, you know, that, that could still get there with, you know, Indiana and Chicago. Um, I think it is a three-team race, Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee, but – the Miami Heat should not be taken or should, should not be ruled out of this. Like you, we can't ignore them. And they've had a weird season, and it's been a little up and down. But And then now they've got you know all the people who they picked up at the trade deadline now has got a, got a knee issue, and he's not going to be traveling with them on this upcoming road trip. Um, I still think that the Heat, they might just be that proverbial team no one wants to face. Like Just like last year, which I think were they sixth last year and they end up in the finals, Like they could do that again potentially. They're tough. They're tough-minded. Jimmy Butler, Bama, Bio, and the rest of that group play great defense. Eric Spolstra is one of the best coaches in the league. They've got shooting. The shooting has been a little bit flimsy this year, but, I mean, I just, I'm not going to rule them out. They don't quite have the, the profile of those, those other three teams, but I do think they are capable of making a run again. So I'm going to say it's three and a half to four teams. And the Celtics, no. I was stubbornly still believing in them up until about a you know three four weeks ago, but they just they just can't quite pull it together. I don't know what exactly is amiss there. I don't I don't think it's necessarily anything you know crazy like chemistry or they don't like each other. Thing. I, I just think that there's just not quite enough talent there. Um, it's subtle because they didn't lose it all at once, but you know Gordon Hayward was a really important piece for them, and when he left, you know they they replaced him with a trade exception. <laughs> um, and then they eventually, you know, they got Evan Fournier at the deadline, which is fine. But, like, uh, you know, uh, you know, the trade-off of Kyrie for Kemba Walker and Kemba's been hurt. Like, they just haven't – they just haven't been able to replenish. And so there's, there's, um, there's, there's just a deficit of talent there when you, when you go from them to the teams that are clearly above them. Hey, that trade exception was more than the Jazz got for Gordon Hayward. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, just throwing that out there. That's all. Uh, fair point. <laughs> Howard, thank you very much. As always, enjoy the weekend, and we'll catch you next week. Appreciate it, guys. Talk to you then. Thank you, Howard.
Howard Beck, our good friend, senior NBA writer from Sports Illustrated. And, of course, he does a, a podcast with our friend Chris Mannix. Uh, those two are great together in podcast form. If you haven't had a chance to catch it, I would recommend you do so. Always got to bring that up, don't you, about the Gordon Hayward thing? Well, isn't it telling? You know, he leaves Boston, didn't have the experience he was hoping for, but thinks, you know what? I'll, I'll do you a solid. We'll do a little tra- sign and trade trade exception here and, and uh, <laughs> won't leave you high and dry. But yet, the first time he left a franchise, Gordon, mm-hmm. didn't uh, didn't uh, give his former team the luxury, even though it could have been financially beneficial for him. He did not. You mean when the Buick drove out the garage? Here? When it did, yeah, it uh, it did not look back, so to speak. All right. Well, he's got a cool haircut, that. though. Well, and they turned that trade exception into what's his name, right? Uh, Oh, why am I going blank? Evan Fournier. So that's a fine player. Unrestricted free agent Rudy Gobert's best friend. Oh, yeah? Are they best buds? Best in the world. Wait, he's the unrestricted free agent. Yeah, not Rudy. <laughs> Fournier. You said unrestricted free agent Rudy Gobert's best friend. Sorry. I was just, yeah. you know. I, I don't Unre- use punctuation. Unrestricted free agent, comma, yes. Rudy Gobert's best friend. Yes, that's, okay. that's better. Now, see, sense. there's a difference between a comma and a period, you know. I mean, it can make all the difference in the world. It can. All right, stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.